Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. How do I record an episode? How do I get my show into all the apps people like to listen? How do I make money for my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match with you great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. I use Anchor in a simple matter. I take my podcast episodes, edit them in Premiere, upload them to Anchor and schedule them and set my tags and my description, all that good stuff. Just sit back and let it distribute to all the platforms. It's very simple and very easy to use and very user-friendly. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast, make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start. That's anchor.fm slash start to join me and a diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. Frame Chasers, it's Wednesday, and you already know what it is. A new episode of Chasing the Frame. Today I'm with Andre Welsh. How are you today, Andre? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. It's it's, it's Wednesday. You can't complain. So before yeah. we <laughs> before we get into the episode, we have to take care te- ah, cannot speak. Before we get into the episode, we have to take care of some housekeeping items. First off, we got our, uh, we gotta thank our affiliate partners, Artlist.io. Artlist is a powerful music licensing platform created by filmmakers for filmmakers with thousands of new songs and a full year of unlimited downloads. You can find exactly the music you need for your project. Music licensing is often a complicated, expensive mess which slows us down and gets in the way of the creative process. By offering direct and unlimited access to our entire catalog of inspiring music for a single annual subscription fee we believe that artlist is the solution if you join with our affiliate link today you'll get one year with two extra months free so check out that link in our description and join artlist.io an inspiring music licensing platform created by filmmakers for filmmakers and second guys shirts shirts and shirts we got t-shirts at teespring.com slash doors slash chasing dash the dash frame and last but not least it's that time of the show when i ask for you the listener if you like to donate to the cause it's up to you no pressure as long as you are getting valuable information that's what i'm really happy about if you guys are getting that valuable information but just if you want to donate here are the links paypal.me slash ctf podcast Cash app at jdemarco3. Also, we are accepting Litecoin XRP donations on YouTube, so we are keeping good faith into cryptocurrency because, hey, it's the future. Let's be real about it. Uh, where is it? Plus, it doesn't have to be a whole Litecoin. Right now, XRP is dirt cheap, under a dollar, so you can send me like 25 cents if you feel like it. And thirdly, you can also donate if you're listening through Anchor on our homepage there. So let's get to it. Who's ready to chase frames today? So Andre, first question I ask everyone on the show, where are you from originally? Uh, Oakland, California. Okay. So Oakland, uh, have you been in Oakland all your life? Um, I grew up there, born there, uh, and then went to, um, Chico state for college for a couple years up, up Northern California. And then, uh, ended up coming back to the Bay area to go to film school in San Francisco at Academy of art. 
for four years and then moved to LA pretty much right, right after that in 2007. Nice. Um, kind of, yeah. Nice man. So been, been here pretty much ever since. Yeah. So Cali, so Cali man for the whole life, but just moving from oh, yeah. North, North to South basically. Yeah. And yep. it's a one way rivalry. Uh, <laughs> Bay area, NorCal people hate, LA, but in LA, nobody really cares. <laughs> That's what I always tell people. It's one way, one way uh, rivalry. So. <laughs> so, so, second question I ask everyone is: What was the first movie, TV show, actor, director, you know, creative that you that spoke to you and you said to yourself, "I want to do this for the rest of my life." Um, you know, it wasn't just one person. I think it okay. was the movie that that kind of got me into thinking more um, more like seriously about it was Usual Suspects. I think I saw it when I was, I don't know, maybe 13 or mm-hmm. something um, when it came out on VHS yeah. <laughs> back in the day. Um, and uh, yeah, it just there was something about the style and mm-hmm. the writing and everything. I was like, oh, this is cool. And it was just kind of darker yeah. uh, than a lot, you know, most movies I'd seen. I'd seen like a lot of action movies and horror movies mm-hmm. and stuff by that point, but not really like cool like thriller kind of movies with a twist so um i think that was probably the moment but i had actually already been shooting you know little films and stuff since i was like i don't know fifth grade i think that's when i got a vhs camcorder oh cool so what (laughs) were were you doing with your friends back in the day in like fifth grade like what were you guys shooting like just fun fun little skits like you know uh, laid out action movies or something like that you know it was, yeah, oh yeah, it was just always like Terminator movies okay. or karate or, yeah, it was always some kind of violent little yeah. short film where everybody <laughs> dies, you know. But it was, but it was usually, fun, you know, more funny. Like we mm. weren't trying to be serious. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, that was probably the majority of the films that we would make as kids were mostly comedy, you know, over yeah, the yeah. top. A ton, tons of swearing, even though we were like 12. Yeah, because <laughs> so. you know every good movie has a lot of swearing in it. Just, just saying. Yep, yeah, pretty much. Yep. Scarface example. Percent of them. Perfect example. Yeah. <laughs> so, so okay. So you get the camcorder. You're doing that, those things with uh, your friends, and then you see Usual su- Suspects is that correctly, right? Am I saying that correctly? Yeah, yeah, more or less. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, then, and then you know, kind of went off to high school, mm-hmm. and then uh, nonlinear editing. Yeah. Kind of just starting to come out. Like, okay. Maybe maybe around the time I was in high school, you started seeing it more frequently, mm-hmm. uh, where computers were actually fast enough, you know, to do yeah. it. Um, and that just like changed the game. It was like, oh my god, I don't have to use like tape to tape editing anymore. Mm-hmm. This is amazing. <laughs> well, uh, did you have like so, a film production um, class in high school? If I may ask, um, we didn't. We had a video. We had kind of like a video mm-hmm. class. I never actually took it. Um, I never could get that elective. It never worked with my schedule, but Uh, I did do all the videos at my high school, I think starting at the end of junior year. mm. Um, but, uh, so I kind of learned on the fly. It was called, uh, media 100. It was an old school. I've heard of that before. before. Uh, yeah, it came out probably right before final cut pro came out. Um, this was like 2000, maybe 99 or 2000 when it came out. Um, yeah, way back in the day. Was, ago, was that like a avid? <laughs> was that still avid or a media one hundred? Was that something completely different? Yeah, it was a different company, but okay. it, it was the same same idea. Mm. Like avid was still more expensive, I think, and more you know more more professional. But yeah. media one hundred was trying to take 
some of the market share. And then when Final Cut came out, it just like completely changed everything. Gotcha. So, and then everybody, I think Media 100 probably went out of business right right around that time. <laughs> yeah, because uh, in my college, they actually had like a Media 100, like like a room that had a Media 100 uh, like tag on it. Like, you know, like one of those plaques yeah. that say where what classroom it is. And I was like, what the fuck's Media yeah. 100? Like, and my teacher explained it to us one day, kind of. I'm like, oh, that's what it was. Just the old edit base. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were like, you know, 25, 30 grand. Yeah. I think for the full system back yeah. in the day. So, yeah. You know. I remember saying like the price. Uh, that, you know, you're the first person I actually met who ever used the Media 100, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, there's very few of us who talk yeah. about it. I think it, it kind of, it probably dates us a little bit. <laughs> you're in a cult of uh, Media 100s. <laughs> Yeah, there probably are. There's probably some people that have some vintage uh, Media 100 systems out there. So <laughs> don't don't worry. This year at NAB, they're gonna be coming back sometime. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I know. Yeah, they probably will. <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, during that time in video and doing those video cl- um, things in high school, were you starting to get more serious into f- film? Also, because you're um, because of the usual usual suspects, were you were you you know you slowly getting that mentality of like, I want to take this more seriously in that regard, because even though you had the camcorder, you're doing those skits to your friends, you see usual suspects. It inspires you a little bit to, you know, become that filmmaker that you want to be. And then you're in high school doing the you know film projects. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of did both. So mm-hmm. I, I would, I would film kind of stupid, like jackass kind of style stuff too, yeah. you know, like with friends. But at the same time, I'd have like a select group of friends where we would do, you know, they would actually want to act in yeah. movies. And we'd, we'd go over to San Francisco, you know, because you'd have great scenery over mm-hmm. there. We'd just shoot shoot down like downtown San Francisco and get okay. all these cool shots of like steam coming out of, uh, um, you know, vents and stuff. And, you know, it was I always just like doing more guerrilla style mm-hmm. shooting and then uh, just edit together, make little short films. Um and then, um, yeah, and then, you know, I, I tried to get into uh, USC film school. I okay. didn't get in. So then I was like, well, you know, maybe I'll, tr- maybe I'll try to transfer mm-hmm. when I'm like a junior or senior to UCLA or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I ended up going to Chico. And then they didn't really have a film program. I took some other video classes there, but uh, okay. I mainly just took my, my GE classes and then transferred uh, over to Academy of Art. And that was, that was kind of when I really, you know, started getting more serious about yeah. it. And um, learning lighting and you know uh, cinematography lenses all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, before that, I I developed a style, but I didn't really know how or why. Mm-hmm. It was just you know just from from uh, taking the camera out and just shooting. Well, I had a little Sony Handycam yeah. uh, Digital Eight back in the day. So. Okay, what was that style then that you 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 crafted before you you know were learning all those proper techniques in that regard? Um, I you know I always kind of did like. I liked a lot of long lens stuff, mm-hmm. low angle. Yeah. Um, just, uh, just, you know, cause back then there weren't DSLRs, so you couldn't really get depth of field unless you shot long lens. Yeah. You know, so was. I would just zoom my camera all the way in and just, you know, shoot, uh, coverage of, uh, conversations, you know, mm-hmm. just super, super tight. And you'd get the, the shallow depth of field. I'm like, Oh wow, that was pretty good. You know, yeah, but it yeah. was, we didn't really know why it looked good. We just, thought it did um and then of course at night you know the the aperture is wide open so so it's like extra blurry in the background Mm -hmm. and uh so so just shooting like downtown san francisco you get a lot of cool cool um lighting in the in the uh background and stuff with the with the blur okay so um yeah do you 
do you still incorporate, did your style like change drastically also? Like I, I know this might sound like a future question. This is a future question, but does your style change drastically yeah. now from where it is, what, where it was before? Like how is your, has your child, has your child, has your style changed at all? Um, I think so in terms of, I don't shoot long lens as okay. much anymore just mm-hmm. because now, you know, with, with, uh, DSLRs and, and just super 35 sensors in mm-hmm. general, just, um, you know, being able to still achieve the depth of field. So I probably shoot, you know, a little more medium length lenses, yeah. but I still do the same kind of low angle. I, I tend to like more natural lighting, mm-hmm. uh, versus stuff that's, that's really well lit and glossy. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I probably do a little bit more, you know, dolly kind of shots mm-hmm. to have it be a little smoother. And, yeah. and, you know, now with technology, you have gimbals and all this stuff. It's, it's gotten so much easier now to get cool shots with movement. Uh, whereas back in the day, it was like, you know, <laughs> there wasn't like work stabilizer and stuff. Yeah. Like it was, it was, uh, it was a lot harder to, to pull off those kinds of shots. But, um, yeah. but yeah, but I, but I, when I look at my old films from, you know, 2003, 2004, like mm-hmm. a lot of, there's still a lot of similarities I see. Yeah. So nice. So, um, going back to college then in the, in the arts, um, mm-hmm. where, what was that like learning from there? And like, you know, being, you know, in art school for film and stuff like that, what was that like for, for you to go through that? Um, I didn't really know what to expect. Like I had gone, you know, two years at Chico just doing yeah. my GE and it was kind of more of a traditional college. So, you know, had a good time, got, got some of the partying out of my system. Um, and then, uh, film school was, you know, totally different kind of group of people that, that went there, but it was a pretty big school. So, uh, you know, and they had a bunch of different, different, uh, departments, yeah. but, um, but it was, it was cool. You actually got a chance to get your hands on cameras immediately. Yeah. Um, I would say it was much more of like a technical school. They were really good about teaching cinematography, lighting lenses, uh, editing, you know, stuff for, for kind of just getting a job, um, out of school. So, um, so it was, uh, it it was, you know, a little bit of a learning curve for me because I hadn't shot film before. So I I remember being, (laughs) I, I love shooting it, but I hated loading it. It was just oh. uh, loading the mags and it <laughs> yeah. would get stuck. And I saw people are like, Oh, I miss film. I'm like, I, I don't really miss it. <laughs> I mean, I miss the look of it. I do not miss like dealing with it at all. I don't miss the, <sighs> you know, it's like 300 bucks for a 400 foot mag. And then you got to develop a, you got yeah. a and oh, you God. know, it's like hundreds of dollars, I- thousands of dollars. And, <laughs> I, I just took so, a, yeah. a, photo- a film photography class. We didn't have like film, uh, video, uh, film, actual film production, like for movies and stuff like that in my college. We just did fil- uh, foot film photography, and that shit was just. A, I feel like that was a pain in the ass, even though like I like shooting it. Yeah, I still. I feel like I said that yeah. I had no idea what I was doing, and then on top of that, trying to mm-hmm. process the film was really fun. Don't get me wrong, but it was it was when we were making the prints that if you ask me yeah. to make a print right now, I would. I would somehow still have it cropped completely fucked up and it yeah. end up how, I don't know how it end up muddy. And I'm like, what, what did I do wrong? I did everything. She like the teacher told me and yeah. I still, I still have a fucked up fucking film. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. It it's is. Hard. It is. Stuff was, yeah. Oh my God. Like I, I mean, I, it was cool to learn it because yeah. you would appreciate it. And then yeah, once and, you move over to, to HD, it was like, Oh my God, this uh, looks probably better in a lot oh of ways. God, yes. And it's way easier. 
Well, but, I always yeah, tell but it people, makes you appreciate it. Yeah, I always tell people like if if film was still around today, I think ninety percent of the people that want to do like film production would not want to do film production. Yeah. Because yeah, of, because of, sure. yeah, because of it's just so t- well time consuming. Yeah. A B like just get, especially like getting it right. You have to get it right because you like there's only so like I said you have to pay for the film and there's only so much feet of film yeah. you have and you have to be very conservative about what you want to shoot. You're not Francis Ford Coppola. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We used to just do like one take, two takes. That was yeah. it. You know, if we shot a, but that's all you could afford if yeah. you're shooting Super Sixteen or Thirty Five, especially Thirty Five. It was like all right, if yeah. we're trying to do a. <laughs> 30 second, you know, spec commercial and we only have one roll of film, mm. you do the math real quick. And it's like, yeah, there's not a lot of, uh, not a lot of time for like four takes. So yeah, yeah it was, they have, yeah, they I don't have, miss them. <laughs> they have student like discounts for film and stuff like that for like the buying film stock. They did. Yeah. Oh, they yeah. gave us discounts and, um, you know, you could, there were places that you could find short ends mm. for cheaper. Um, I just, I don't know if, if when I was in film school the hd revolution was kind of happening while yeah. i was there so okay perfect you know, by the time when i first yeah i mean when i first started it was like you know there was no hd yet mm-hmm. it was still primarily 35 yeah 16 by the time i left the uh, panasonic hbx 200 was out um mm-hmm. i think there was uh yeah i mean the veracam was everywhere yeah. at that point um the sony uh the, well, i forgot what it was called sending also whatever yeah. Oh, um so yeah there was there was there was, I mean, it, it totally changed. By the time I left film school, it was like, well, we're not even shooting film anymore. That was kind of, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know why we spent so much time on that because I'm not really going to see it. That uh, kind but. of happened to me also that like, I, like, um, I graduated college in 2012 and, you know, around like 2011, 2010 ish, you know, the T- T2I was getting, was pretty big or like getting big. Mm-hmm. And I still had a GL2 from like three years ago that I bought like, new and i didn't know anything about mm-hmm. like the dslr revolution that was slowly coming into frame about like life and yeah. then by like the time i leave uh college everyone's like hd and 5d mark twos and i'm like well i fucking screwed myself over <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i know it because it just kind of snuck up yeah you know, i think it did. uh i think the, the 5d came out and i started seeing them i, I think 2009 mm-hmm. is when i really started noticing them and I I actually had a Sony EX1 with a lettuce adapter, yeah. so it was like a 35 millimeter adapter. Okay, and um, and it was cool. It was kind of clunky, but I still liked the look of it. I thought I thought it looked you know as good as most DSLRs mm-hmm. at the time. Um, but you know, it was still this big clunky camera, and you had to um, you know focus your Sony camera onto the lettuce, and then you put the the you know still lens on top of that. So it was oh, okay. just kind of a pain in the ass. But, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, but the 5d, it was like, Oh my God, it's full frame yeah. and you know, 1080p it's gorgeous. So, yeah. uh, yeah, that definitely changed, changed everything <laughs> at from least, there on out. At, so. <laughs> at least the 4k revolution didn't like creep up on us. Like it, I mean, at least it crept up on us. It didn't like come out of nowhere. Like the, the DSLR yeah. revolution. So that was, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. 4k. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. And there's a lot of people. I mean, even like the the you know Ari Alexa mm-hmm. was really until recently was mainly 2K yeah. and, or 3.2K. Yeah, open gate, open gate, and it still 2K. looks better than yeah, both know, of the 4K. Definitely. I mean, I, I mean, the Alexa ha- yeah. like their sensors just amazing in general too. And like even like at the new station I was telling you I work at, we shoot 720 still. We don't even shoot like 8, yeah. 1080. Yep. 
Yeah. So yeah, most broadcast TV, I think it's seven twenty. Mm-hmm. I think Fox Sports is all seven twenty P. Even though there's always uh, like uh, yeah. conversations about like, you know, um going four K for stuff too. I think like the Olympics is gonna be eight K or the World Cup, I think. Yeah. They always do that like special shit for those um yeah. things. I don't know why though. Yeah, yeah, they're talking about because I think in Japan they have it's more advanced technology, so yeah. they're somehow able to to uh, broadcast an 8K. Um, I've heard like the Super Bowl, they kind of did like a 4K broadcast, but it wasn't really 4K. It was just up res okay. from 1080. That makes sense. Um, so yeah, so it's like yeah, it looks a little better, but it's yeah. not really 4K. I mean, because like um, there's but, also. There's a podcast I heard a long time ago where they said like the amount of data coming in through a 4K feed would be astronomical. That like yeah, it would be ridiculous to to try to pull off. Yeah, especially at six, and, it's and unless frames. you have a TV big enough, you're not really going to notice the difference. Yeah, you know, it's it's um yeah. I think you need like really a 55 inch or bigger to really see 4K versus uh 1080. You yeah. know, on a on a typical viewing. You know, if you're sitting eight feet from the screen or whatever. Oh yeah, definitely. So, um, yeah, definitely, but, um, definitely. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of pulling these specs out of my ass. I don't really know what I'm talking about. But. I, I mean, but, no, I, but, no, I've heard the, I've, 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 I've heard the same stuff though. I've like, you know, like with the whole distance yeah. from like the TV and stuff like that. Cause I mean, I can't even, I, I have, I think I have 1080 TV in my room and like there's a 10, uh, there's a 4k TV in the living room and they're probably both like my bed to my TV is the same, almost the same amount from like the, the couch to the TV in the living the room. Yeah. And, and it looks the same to me. I can't really tell the difference to be honest. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think it just depends on, on the content you're watching. If it's Netflix, yeah, you know, like a really high, high quality shot show that was mm-hmm. shot in, you know, who knows, 6k or 8k, like yeah. maybe you can kind of tell, but yeah, the average film, you probably wouldn't, no. wouldn't see it unless you were sitting really close to the screen. Yeah. Just get, get really, then you're pixel peeping. I think they call it right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that's just annoying. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For, thank yeah. you. Thank you for throwing that out there. Cause I, I agree with you a hundred percent, but um, going back to yeah. uh, college, what was your favorite project that you shot? Like what was the most memorable project? Um, good question. I, they were all learning, <laughs> learning yeah, well. lessons. Uh, uh, I shot probably my favorite was I just shot kind of a I guess it was a feature technically mm-hmm. it was full length but it was just you know we shot it over the span of a year just on oh, weekends wow. uh, we never really intended to like put it out there we never submitted to festivals or yeah. whatever but um, but I think I shot it when I was 21 or 22 mm-hmm. and um, yeah it was just uh, just some of my friends that were kind of you know starting to, to learn acting um, yeah. And then I was just starting to direct and you could see the the difference between the, the scenes that we had shot in the very beginning versus the scenes that we kind of finished the movie with. Yeah. And, um, it was just like a good experience kind of all the way around just working with everybody and mm-hmm. just, just learning. So I probably have most fond memories of that. I did a, another short on super 16 that I just bit off more than I could chew. Yeah. It was just, <laughs> it was just like, you know, just not enough film to shoot it, you know, and I was running out of money and oh, I was shit. like, what am I doing? <laughs> Why did I pick so, this? Um, that, yeah, it was just like too long of a script. I think, you know, if it was half the length, it would have been a lot easier to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was kind of just a good learning lesson for just, you know, don't try to do too many things, mm-hmm. uh, especially if you don't have the budget. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, um, but yeah, those are probably the two projects that, that come to mind yeah. the most uh, that, that were good learning lessons. 
a question about that too, like the one that took you a year to make in the even the, in, even the Super Sixteen one. Like you know, you're, you're you're doing this for school, and you know you're on like you know there's small crews. I'm guessing so it, you know right? Yeah. Okay. Like yeah, either small crew or no crew. Yeah. Yeah. One of the two. Like now. <laughs> Now, when you get now, this is kind of like going to the next part. When you get out of college and you're working on a uh, actual film set of of that nature, you know you're going to a crew size of like maybe you know maybe more than obviously than you had in college. Like you know, what was that like experience going from like no crew and small crew to a huge, huger like bigger crew? You know, like I'll never forget my first yeah. time. <laughs> it's like whoa, hey, where am yeah, I? Yeah, it's, it's overwhelming. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, I mean, luckily, my film school, um, you know, it had a lot of people who had different, um, you know, things they were trying to, to make mm-hmm. and different you know, budgets. Some people would save their money and, yeah. you know, shoot like a $10,000 short. So I, I did work on some projects where we where we would have a crew that was more like 20 people or 25 oh, okay. people. And you'd have a gaffer and all that stuff. And I was usually, you know, either a um, AC on it or mm-hmm. like a PA or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it was, so I, so I learned a lot in film school, just mainly working like on other people's projects. Yeah. Um, and then when I got to LA, I was a PA on commercials, mm-hmm. um, in the Santa Monica area a lot, yeah. uh, for like year, year and a half and learned a lot from there. And yeah, I mean, a lot of our commercials were just, you know, mm-hmm. huge crews, tons of extras. Um, and I was, I was kind of just a runner grabbing Starbucks. Even, even commercial work though. Hey, even commercial work too is like a, a different beast than actual like film production is why I hear, I hear all the time. It's like, cause you know, commercials have to be so quick and like get done in what, like a, a day or two or something like that. And then like, you know, films take yeah. multiple days, not just a long maybe, time. Yeah. Oh, maybe, Hey, one or two days. If you've got a really short film. Yeah. Yeah. And I never worked on a big budget mm. film. I still haven't to this yeah. day. Uh, I, I worked on a, a different feature where I was a, a B camera operator okay. in film school that, that was, you know, relatively low budget. It was yeah. under, I think it was under 120,000. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, yeah, a couple, a couple other projects, but when I moved to LA, you know, after kind of asking around, it was like, Oh, when you're a PA, you get paid way more on commercials than you do on movies. Yeah, so like, that. Right, well, you're the second person to confirm that. Yeah, you're the second person to confirm that. Yeah, <laughs> and now it's believable. Yeah, yeah, and maybe that maybe that's changed since then. This was 2007, but yeah, but um, but yeah, commercials were a little more. It seemed more, you know, stable and mm. and paid a little bit better. Um, so um, and then I, I would uh, occasionally still go back up to San Francisco and and work on corporate um, shoots up there as well, yeah. uh, being a floor director and a PA is kind of just whatever, whatever gotcha. came along. And so, and so yeah. when you moved to LA, you're doing that. And then what else are you doing? And besides going up back up to uh, San Fran to do the floor work, floor director work, what else are you doing after those things? Are you, then are you going to more like non-commercial work? Like, you know, sets and stuff like that you doing, what else are you doing? Yeah, I did a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, corporate video work up there so i met a lot of guys that uh you know were camera operators more in the tv yeah. world um and gaffers and so we did a lot of studio lighting so i kind of learned learned some of that mm. I, you know you definitely learn a ton on the job versus film school oh yeah definitely so, I mean, you know you learn a lot in film school too but it's just kind of more of a broad general general kind of learning versus um you know when you're on the job yeah. working five days straight um you know with guys that have been doing it for 30 years you definitely learn 
uh, a lot real fast. Um, but, uh, but then the, the economic crash happened, mm. uh, right around that time. So then, you know, a lot of, a lot of my clients kind of just went under. Yeah. So I had to then go and find other clients. And then I, I ended up doing a lot more editing work, um, mm. because it was kind of my go-to skill that I knew I could fall back on. Yeah. Um, when those other clients went under. So, uh, so I did a lot of that and then, um, uh, and then wrote, wrote a, um, a, uh, script, uh, I think in 2007 ended up shooting the short film called method. Okay. Um, and it was like a, uh, 25, I think 25 minutes short. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, just cause, you know, I, I still had the creative, uh, you know, urge, I yeah. guess to shoot something, you know, that wasn't just making money. Um, yeah. uh, so, so, uh, and I remember my boss at the commercial production house, um, or I think he was the owner of the company. He told me, he's like, you know, the biggest piece of advice I can give anybody that's looking to direct is just, you have to just constantly be making things. If you're not, you're going to get rusty. And, um, you know, it's the only way you're going to get better is to just keep making things. So I, um, so I made that and then, um, yeah, just kind of just kept, kept going from there. Uh, Tried to try to get it off the ground as a feature. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, looked like we had some financing, kind of fell through, and mm-hmm. then we ended up doing a web series instead. Well, what was that so like? I did a couple to, of web series. What was it like to uh, direct that? Like, I mean, that sounds like you're a first time director for that project. What was that experience the short. like? Yeah, the short. Yeah, it was it was really good. It was kind of the first short film that I really spent a lot of time writing the script mm-hmm. and um, rewriting it. And then you know, I was living in LA, and so I knew. Yeah more actors because there's a lot of actors in LA obviously uh, compared to the Bay area. So, um, so we ended up shooting it in LA and the Bay area and kind of utilizing both places uh, to give it more production value. Yeah. And um, yeah, it played, played some festivals. It was just like a good, good experience. Um, and it seemed like it was something that uh, had some interest in being developed into a feature. Yeah. So, so what was cool was even though it wasn't made as a feature, um, it was a catalyst to get me to, to write uh, mm-hmm. it as a feature script. So gotcha. just having that was a good experience too. And you just kind of kind of go from there. So, And it's still a project that we might try to make in the yeah. next two years. Nice, so, man. Um, yeah. Uh, what, kind of, what kind of director are you? Are you kind of a tech, more of a technical director or an actor's director? Uh, that's a good question. I would say I'm a little more on the technical side if mm. I had to choose, but, yeah. um, but I'm friends with a lot of actors and I've, my roommate in LA before I was married was an actor. Okay. Um, or he still is an actor. And, uh, so I just get along with actors really well. Yeah. And I like, I like, uh, working with actors in terms of like improv, you know, I'm, I'm real loose in yeah. terms of the script. Like, you know, I'm not the kind of person that's like, you have to hit the mark exactly here and say it exactly like this. Like, a lot of times actors come up with stuff that's way better than anything you have mm-hmm. written on the page. And um, so, so I kind of, I would say my, my style in directing is a little more loose with actors. Okay. Um, depends on the scene, you know, of course, and depends on the, the actor's skill set. Some, some are more comfortable with improv and like to kind of go off, you know, yeah. a little bit more and others, you know, like to be a little more controlled. But um, but that, I would say that that's been my, my main way of working with them. And then, um, in terms of the technical side, I just, you know, my background is more of editing and cinematography. So I yeah. just kind of know, 
you know, the coverage I want to get and, um, the style of, 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 uh, you know, the, the framing and everything. Are are you, you, that comes a little more naturally. Are you more of a storyboarder, like storyboard, storyboard, border? I cannot speak at all today, uh, <laughs> or a shot list person. Like, do you? Because I know, like, I know some people do storyboards, some people do shot lists, some people do a little bit of both. I mean, yeah. So, what, what, what do you? What method are you? Are do you like out of those, or do you like both of them? I don't know. Uh, I can't storyboard. I hate storyboarding. All right, so. I, I, we. I feel I, like uh, we're the same person because I hate drawing to begin with. Yeah. So. <laughs> I hate drawing too. I hate it. Yeah. It, you know, I feel like when you get into, um, shooting a scene, you know, unless you've had it, unless you've like been hanging out on this set or whatever, wherever you're shooting for days and you've rehearsed with the actors, then I get it. You know, the storyboarding thing, I get it. Mm -hmm. Or if you're shooting a commercial with a client and they have it storyboarded out and you want to tweak it, I I totally understand that. But for me shooting like a movie, something where, a lot of times with schedules, you don't have time to rehearse with the actors. You just show up. The location isn't exactly what you thought it was going to be. You can't get this one shot that you thought you could get. So you just kind of have to wing it. Oh my (laughs) God. You don't really have time to (laughs) deal with it. Yeah. So (laughs) So I'll have like a loose shot list. (laughs) Yeah. 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 For sure. Like I, I, I try to be responsible and have a shot list, but even then sometimes I just don't have time. I'm like, Oh Yeah. yeah, what was that last shot I needed to get? And then I, you know, I try to, uh, pull it out of my pocket real quick and yeah, and make sure I got everything. But I always forget something. There's always some insert or something. Yeah, but, I, um, I know what you mean, man. I've I've gone to set so many. I mean, I've gone to set so many times blind. To be honest, I, I know this is sound terrible, but I like, and I'm just like just seeing the place. I can figure out what I want to shoot, and then like the person gives me their shot list, and I'm like, this shot list sucks. And I'm like, all right, I guess I have to shoot it. But <laughs> like, I think my shots and my like what I'm picking out is like again, on the fly and just going into a weird scenario and just like going, all right, this, this works. Let me just like, give me five minutes to figure this yeah. all out. Like that uh, for me, that's a lot yeah. easier to do than try to planning plan yeah. it out sometimes for me. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And a lot of times it ends up just being better, you know, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's, cause you're shot listing or something or, or storyboarding and, and the space, if the space isn't really like that mm-hmm. or if the lighting is kind of different or whatever, yeah. like, you, you just can't really use those shots at all. So I know, but then someone, um, someone's going to say, well, location scouting, dude. I'm like, well, we didn't go location scouting. And if we do, I, I might think of that sh- shot you want, like, you know, three months before the location scout, but when I get there, it might work better another way. So, so there's yeah, always definitely. that too. Yeah. Yeah. And blocking, you know, you, you don't really know how it's going to look until you block it. And That's then true, even yeah. you, you can block it. And then like, until you have the camera up, you don't even know if that blocking is going to work. So Very true. there's just so many variables that can change, <laughs> you know, what you're going to shoot. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I just, I like to just keep it loose. Yeah. I'm <laughs> as a, much I'm, as I can. Yeah, same, same way. Same way. I, I like your style, man. I like your style. <laughs> so it's, it's really the only way I know how. So that's yeah, part. That's, hey, that's if the it, other if part it works, so. right. You, if it works for you, you should like, you, there's no, reason to change something I'm like just just improve yeah. on it but like no reason to like really go like 180 yeah. and change it completely yeah yeah because <laughs> i would i would be terrible the other way yeah. so i <laughs> think that's the other reason <laughs> my stick figure drawing <laughs> you're like uh is this good the guy's like ooh. yeah <laughs> no yeah. <laughs> what what kind of movie is it yeah <laughs> it's, a, it's a stick figure movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> so so um 
So you said uh, after the movie, the short that you made, you went to you made it into a web series, and then uh, that you did that, or did it fall through? You said two. Sorry, we had, we got, kind of got off tangent for a hot second. Yeah, yeah. So I made that I made that short, and then uh, I think right after I had made that, or maybe almost simultaneously, I, I shot another web series okay. that um, a friend of mine wrote, and I, I directed it and uh, DP'd it and yeah. cut it, and then um, he he's also an actor and a writer, so yeah. we kind of worked together. He produced it, wrote it, acted in it, and then um, we did uh, two seasons of that. The mm-hmm. first one was like zero budget. We just kind of got as many actors as we could yeah second season we actually had a little bit of a budget and then it ended up getting picked up by hulu oh nice uh for a couple of years yeah it was like uh i think one of the first independently produced shows to be picked up by them and um we ended up kind of recutting it into like a a half hour style comedy so it was like 23 minute episodes what's it called Um, so it was on there for like a few years it was called workshop Um, now it's not on there because they had a regime change and uh they just axed out all the content that they had acquired during those years uh so so i think it was on there yeah (laughs) it was on there for like maybe i want to say 2011 to 2014 okay somewhere in there shit damn um yeah yeah but it's i i I'm not sure where it's at now. It might be on YouTube somewhere, okay. but I would recommend season two because we actually had a little bit of a budget. Season one, we didn't. Okay. Um, but uh, <laughs> I think season one we had shot like in 2008. So okay. it was before DSLR. So yeah. it was a little little rougher looking. You're still um, doing Mini 100 <laughs> then? No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it was a little past Mini 100, but still pre, pre-DSLR revolution. So yeah, that what definitely was- changed the game. I mean, what was it like directing, DPing, and editing that show? I mean, because I know, like, for people, it's it's just different, three different beasts in one in one project. What is that like for you doing those three three uh, things? Like, how's your how's your headspace for like, are they, yeah, yeah, your- yeah. It's it's kind of all I know. So I think with workshop, mm-hmm. uh, the the really good experience I got out of shooting it was, you know, it was. I didn't really have a crew. Um, and, um, my friend, you know, who wrote it also as an actor. And so he just knows that world really well. Yeah. So he was really good about prepping all the cast for, you know, the storyline and explaining everything. So Mm -hmm. when I would go direct, it was kind of more like, you know, more about, um, hitting, you know, certain, certain beats or certain jokes a a certain way, you know, to get it to, uh, land, um, you know, uh, where I knew it would work for the edit. So, um, so I think like when I shoot and direct, I think in terms of editing, okay. uh, just because that's, that was always like my first skill. Mm. Um, so, you know, just getting the, the right kind of coverage to, to make it all cut together. Cause yeah. we had to shoot a lot of, a lot of pages, you know, really quickly. Mm. And, uh, you know, everybody's working for free, so you don't want to keep people too long. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would just, you know, shoot a lot of guerrilla style all around UCLA campus and uh, all over the place. So, so yeah, it was, it was, it was a really cool experience. Met a lot of great actors Mm -hmm. through doing it, um, that I still work with today. Nice. And, um, yeah, so did did two seasons of that. And then I I did another, uh, web series that I wrote, uh, called Red Sleep, a little bit darker, totally different style, uh, but same kind of thing where I, what was that about? Um, it was about, uh, a kind of a, a guy who is, he's in prison. Mm -hmm. Um, 
he gets he gets framed by a dirty cop or whatever. He's in prison and um, he's offered a chance to um, get out of prison if he uh, agrees to take place to, to take part in an experiment for a new drug that um, allows your body to not need sleep. Okay. Um, and so so he takes part in this experimentation for. I think it's a year, 18 months, uh, and then he has all these side effects and he can't sleep for the, for pretty much the rest of his life. So he's just kind of miserable and he gets out of prison and has to change his identity and, yeah. um, and, and he's relocated to LA and, you know, so it's just, it's kind of just a crazy concept that <laughs> I threw together yeah. and, uh, we just kind of shot it as we, as we wrote it. Like, oh, so okay. we would write like a few episodes, shoot, shoot some of it and then come back three months later, shoot more. Did you shoot, um, did you shoot and, in order uh, to, or did you like shoot like scene, like different scenes in different episodes? Uh, mostly out of order. Okay. Some, some of it was, I, I think we shot the, the, um, flashbacks up first just to kind of get the feeling of, you know, how, uh, like we shot in front of, in front of uh, San Quentin prison mm-hmm. up in the Bay area. Um, just to kind of get some cool visuals, um, yeah. and, and develop the style. So, uh, and shot it on my EX one with the lettuce, lettuce adapter nice <laughs> so yeah i was still rocking that so uh 20 i think 2013 so um uh, so yeah we shot that in 2012 2013 and mm. and um it was another you know just great great experience just just uh you know further developing my style and yeah. i was actually in a way felt like it was a, a blessing that the financing for the feature fell apart because you know i think doing red sleep uh the web series um, reminded me that, Hey, you, you may not totally be ready to direct a feature yet. Yeah. Um, and this, this, you know, it's good to just keep practicing and, and, uh, get better, you know, before you actually get the, the chance to do it. Definitely. So, um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, that was that. And mm-hmm. then, yeah, since then, uh, I DP to feature for feature, uh, called wild boar. Okay. Uh, a few years ago that I think it's just coming out. I don't know. Over the last couple of months, it's been playing in festivals. Is that a documentary, uh, or then, is that an actual like uh, genre movie? No, it's a, it's a it's a horror movie. Oh, okay. Wild, yeah, it's a wild yeah, boar, it's, right? Uh, wild boar, yeah. Yeah, I just uh, I like the director. <laughs> it just had a documentary for a second. <laughs> I was like, wait, let me just ask. There probably is a documentary called Wild Boar. Okay. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This um, no, this definitely is a documentary. It was uh, <laughs> super gory horror movie. Okay. A ton of fun to work on. Uh, we shot in the Salton Sea. I don't know if anyone is familiar with that, but is, it's kind of like middle of nowhere. Where is that Utah? Palm Springs. No, it's it's in California. It's by uh, it's about two hours east of LA, straight okay. straight east in the middle of the desert. So it's kind of next to Joshua Tree and oh, Palm okay. Springs. Gotcha. Okay, because there, so I know there's another hot, salt thing. Hot as hell out there. Oh, okay. What's that? I know there's another like you said it's like a salt sea, right? That's what. Yeah, it's the Salton Sea. It's a man-made disaster oh. um, accident. Because I, I, and so I, it flooded. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Wrong thing I'm thinking it's, of. I, it's it's yeah. a lot of lot of dead, dead, a lot of dead fish and stuff. It's it's, it's the, it smells terrible, but oh, it looks geez. amazing on camera. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Was that like one of your first like uh, like hardcore horror films to do? Yeah, I, I think it was actually my first one. Okay. I've done, I DP'd some horror shorts before, mm-hmm. but uh, I've never directed horror, still haven't. Yeah. Uh, but um, the, the director of that film, um, he actually won an Oscar for makeup. He's a special effects makeup artist oh, cool. uh, for Star Trek. 
Oh no! Yeah, so he did a lot of the the you know alien creatures yeah. on the the Star Trek reboot like t- from ten years ago. Oh, nice! Uh, so he's like you know really really amazing at at makeup and uh, his team of makeup artists were like I'd hope so. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it was a lot of fun just yeah. kind of learning from them. I mean, it was still you know still a um, you know lower budget independent mm. film, but the makeup was like you know didn't feel like it was independent like yeah. that. <laughs> well, that's you know so well done. So. What did you learn uh, from from that experience, direct uh, DPing that horror film? And I mean, I know you shot. You said you shot other short horror films, um, but what was it like shooting a horror mm-hmm. film that's a feature? Also, what camera did you shoot on, by the way, if I may ask? You know, we ended up we were kind of going back and forth between the red and at okay. the time uh, the GH four, which I own, and um, it, you know it, the desert. It's just so hot and mm. such a rugged place because yeah. we shot probably two thirds of it out in the desert uh, in I think it was September October. So it was still yeah. like a hundred degrees pretty much Ugh. every day. And you know the battery life on the red is not great. It's yeah, heavy and um, it just you know it just we didn't really feel like it was called for it. Like it was just gonna it was just gonna be not a waste of money, but it was just going to be a kind of just a pain in the ass the whole time. Yeah. So we wanted to, to stick with something that was smaller, but still 4k. And mm-hmm. at the time this was before, this was before the a7s2 was out. There mm-hmm. wasn't like some of the, you know, cameras that are out now weren't, yeah, yeah. weren't out yet, but, um, but the GH4 at the time was one that I had and, okay. you know, that had great battery life and just really good run and gun camera. So, so yeah, so we shot on that and, um, uh, it, it ended up uh, looking pretty cool nice. out in the desert. So we were all pretty happy with it. Um, yeah. Did you shoot in vlog? You know, I didn't because at the time mm-hmm. vlog was really kind of noisy. It, oh. it was coming out literally the month that we started shooting it. Okay. And I was doing some tests with my friend who, who also had a GH4. He bought vlog cause he didn't come with a camera. Yeah. And I felt like I wasn't, confident in the exposure as being correct uh and that i'd be guessing with the exposure a lot and so mm-hmm. we just said eh, let's just stick to seeing like d or whatever it was okay um because it was just a safer bet yeah. you know uh, yeah, even yeah. though you didn't quite get the same latitude and post but um so yeah we stuck with that i think with the newer you know the newer panasonic cameras the vlog is really good so I, I probably wouldn't you know do the same thing you again know- but I, I, I used the GH5 on an old uh, old job I'd had, and that uh-huh. always felt noisy. And we used the VE log and yeah. shit like that. And I'm like, what the, what, what, like, why is this noisy? Yeah. <laughs> like, why does that look good? So I guess. Yeah, that, that's what I've heard. Yeah, now I'm like, because like my friend's like, oh no, it's good for color correction and all this stuff. And I'm like, I don't know, dude. Like, we're getting some noisy ass images. And I'm like, I don't feel really yeah. good. No wonder. I'm like, that's why I don't, I'm not a big fan. Sorry, I'm not a big fan of the G G H five or G G H series from Panasonic. The G H series, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. So I apologize. Yeah, I don't, don't want to friendship. I'm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm I'm a Canon fan in terms of the the color and yeah. the noise and all that. I, I like the look of Canon, just kind of straight out of the camera, just mm-hmm. looks really good. Um, so. You know, like I love the C three hundred Mark II. Mm-hmm. I shoot a lot of stuff on that. Yeah, uh, shot a, another comedy feature on that oh, nice. last year. Um, but yeah, the the vlog, from my understanding, you know, the real vlog, the pro vlog, is in mm-hmm. the Veracam, the higher yeah. the higher end cinema cameras. It makes sense. It that makes sense. that vlog is different. Yeah, it's like a different. Uh, oh really? Better. Um, yeah, it's it's 
it's the color science is different than mm-hmm. than the like the GH5 vlog, which I think is called vlog light, maybe oh, something like that. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't have it. I could don't quote me on this. I'm, so I'm not quoting wrong, you on that. You, ple- you can plead the fifth also, by the way. I, forgot, I, for, I totally forgot to mention that in the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I might I might have to do that. All right. I'll, I'll, but, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one. <laughs> yeah. 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 Because yeah. I'm, I'm actually looking at the S1H as being a, a camera I might oh, my f- upgrade to. My right friend now, so. loves that camera. <laughs> he just, he, uh, he's doing a little short, uh, little short film. And he goes, dude, the S1H is, or it's, I think he has, or a friend has the S1, not the H1. Uh-huh. And yeah. He, yeah. And he said, that camera is phenomenal. Like that camera is really, really cool. Great color science. Yeah. He goes, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's got dual ISO mm-hmm. and, um, and, uh, sorry to get all techie right now. No, it's okay. <laughs> it's yeah, funny, just, techie. just having the, yeah, yeah. I mean, the cameras are just so cool these yeah. days. There's, I mean, full frame dual ISO and. Definitely. And it actually has a feature where you can switch from super 35 crop back mm-hmm. to full frame. So if you don't have full frame lenses, you're not screwed. You can mm-hmm. still use your, your APS-C lenses. So Perfect. it seems kind of like, to me, it's like the camera I kind of been waiting for for a while. So uh, have, I just got to convince my wife to, to let me buy one. Have but. you <laughs> have you looked at the Z, uh, Z-Cam at all? I'm just wondering. I have not used it, but I, it, it, it's, Sounds really cool. Yeah. I mean, from the the test footage I've seen, it looks really good. Um, yeah, and the price price is really good. Oh, you know, yeah. Blackmagic um, 4K, you know, mm-hmm. is another one I've, I've looked at. I think it just depends on where you're shooting. Even, I think for me, like, go ahead. I was gonna say even the Komodo is coming out soon. I think so. That 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 red. Yeah, that yeah, the red. The Komodo, red yeah. So I know my friends like waiting yeah, for that the, that the price to drop and see yeah. what it is. Yeah, I've heard it's gonna be like six. Six grand or seven grand yeah, or something. So I'm hearing that it might be interesting. Yeah, yeah, but you know what? Yeah. Like when you buy a Z cam or any any really any camera, to be honest, like you know, uh, you have to buy the accessories anyway for it. So if you if it's six K, right, you still gotta spend like another maybe three grand to really trick it out to get it to where you want it to be. Yeah, that's what I found with I, I had a Black Magic for a while. I, yeah, I, I ended ha- up I selling have one. it because it just oh you have one yeah yeah. Which you one? know, I love the image quality. It was great. Yeah. I had the the two point five k. Okay, it was, it was the, the, f- the first one. Yeah, I had the four k one. Four k, yeah, yeah, that one sucks. It, the image, the image was amazing. Yeah, but no. it's just like the battery. It just, it just felt like I was always worried about the battery, the, and I was like, I can't, I just can't shoot like. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's it's, it's nerve wracking. I got like three V mounts for the the camera. Like even, even yeah. like what was great about the 2.5 K, I kind of wish I bought the 2.5 K sometimes instead, or like another camera completely because you had 200, 400, 800, 1600 ISOs. The production 4k camera right. has 200, 400, 800 ISO. And when you go to 800 ISO, you get the fixed, fixed pattern noise and it's hella terrible. So like I can't oh, really? shoot any uh, like low light situations in general. Light, yeah. So if I'm doing that, yeah. I just stay at 400 base ISO the whole time. And I had to like you work around to, yeah. it. Yeah. It's, it's annoying. Yeah. Yeah. I remember hearing, yeah, a friend of mine was telling me that he was like, it's, it's worse in low light than the 2.5 oh. K because of that reason. But I, I, I didn't know all the ISO differences, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, that's, yeah. Which is, you know, if you shoot a lot of running gun, that's kind of a problem. Like that was partially why I, I got the GH4. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had both cameras for a while and, yeah. you know, there's no question the black magic looked way better. Oh, definitely. But, 
it just I found myself always wanting to shoot on the GH4 and not on the Black Magic yeah. uh, because of the run and gun style. And you know, the GH4 the battery would last like three and a half, four hours. Oh yeah, definitely. so you can just shoot all day. <laughs> yeah, it was just so nice. You know, get the charger um, Black Magic you didn't four get times. The flexibility, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I have four batteries, so it was just like charge it when you get home, and that's mm-hmm. it. You know, you're you're done. So, um, um, yeah, but but uh, I, I held on to the Black Magic for a while. It definitely was. You know, amazing looking for the price, and yeah. you know, I still like their cameras. Yeah, but I mean, um, even anyway. did you have? I have a question for you on the or Black Magic. Did you have a um? If you if you shot in like bright sunlight with that camera, did you get like a black hole or something like that in your sensor? I did. Okay, I yeah. Did, yeah, same with mine. I had, yeah. and that happened, and that they carried that on with the Ursus because, like, especially the first. Oh, really? I think the first Ursa Mini, uh, actually didn't have uh. I'm I don't quote me on this either. But I think those uh, the first 4K Ursa Mini had only 200, 400, 800 ISO and used the same sensor or like a uh, slightly better sensor right. than the uh, Blackmagic production 4K and the, the 2.5K. Yeah. 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 Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that could be it. It was just like a sensor little yeah. little thing. I, it probably only happened like two or three times. Um, yeah. And I had the camera for like a year. Uh, so it didn't, I didn't see it all the time. But yeah, if you were shooting like, you know, directly into the sun, which yeah. not that I would do that that often, but yeah. it was like, Oh, what's that? But even like a strong uh, highlight too, even a strong highlight, like, you yeah, know, yeah. like, you know, I, I shoot out in like the, the street once and like a car pulling up and the car is just so bright from the sun here in Vegas that you just see this, sp- yeah. like a small sliver of it. I'm like, I can kind of get away with this. So I'll have to cut away from it. Yeah. <laughs> so. Right. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, for it, for its uh, its day when it yeah. came out, it was it was amazing. And oh, the yeah, fact definitely. it was like I don't know two grand or whatever it was, it was mm-hmm. like wow, you know, because the red was still twenty grand. Yeah, or so. forty. I think forty two. Ten for ten percent of the price. Yeah. yeah. Depending on what one you wanted and what when you got. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah, for sure. Red's gonna rake you over the coals when the Komodo comes out, no matter how you steer it. I think like people are like, oh, it's gonna have a low price because the Z cam's low. I'm like, nah, dude, it's red. Anyone's gonna buy a red with a name on it. <laughs> yeah, not, yeah. Not it's, trying to disread or anything. And I remember them saying that about the Scarlet when the Scarlet was coming out. They were like, "Oh yeah, it's going to be this five thousand dollar camera," and it was yeah, still like twelve they said, grand. They said the same know, thing with the really... Red Raven. Remember when the Red Raven came out? They said the yeah, same the Raven, thing. yeah. And then it was like eight grand for the camera, for the brain. Yeah, yeah. And, and they're like, "Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> did you say four K for four K? Yeah. <laughs> didn't you? Didn't you probably yeah. these things? Yeah, it never ends up being that price. Yeah. yeah, and then you have to buy all the accessories. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I love, I love their stuff, but yeah, yeah. I just you pay for it. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you so. pay for it, but then again, you can also charge clients for it as well too. That's true. So it's That's it's a true. weird tra- yeah. it's a weird trade off. It's like buy our yeah. product for a shit ton of money, you might go into debt, but don't yeah. worry, you'll pay it off hopefully in like a year and a half with with the amount of yeah, work you'll yeah, get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get enough clients, yeah. You get yeah. enough of the right clients, then you'll pay it off. Yeah, all that's you, true. Yeah, all you yeah have I found myself red. renting the, the red a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have red in eight K. Yeah. Oh shit, we'll hire you. <laughs> yeah, I know because it sounds good. Yeah, 8K, it does. Oh my god. Oh man, what? what? Even you can't see eight K. There's no eight K monitors yeah. or anything. But, but hey, <laughs> I can I can punch in shit tons, and you'll you'll still have a great image. I'm just going to shoot super right. r- wide and just punch into 400%. Just punch in. Yeah. I know. Oh, I've had clients, I've had clients ask me that. They're like, Oh, but we'll just punch in and post. Right. I'm like, and eh, no, that's not gonna, <laughs> that's not gonna look as good. But, yeah. so let's change the lenses. <laughs> yeah, as, a, as an editor, you know, yeah. that doesn't look as, that good at all. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, unless you're shooting like at an f11 and everything's in focus perfectly and there's no distortion, then yeah. maybe you can do that, you know. But that's, other that's than that, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a strong maybe. Yeah, definitely. So again, again, I'm getting getting technical. No, all it's stuff, it, but, it's all good, man. Um, <laughs> it's, it, it's it's the nature of the show. It's it's we go on tangents. We talk about things. We talk about your journey. We go on tangents. And even technical stuff. Yeah. Really, like, I think people like listening, to, hearing the technical things because then they learn also. So, as if it's technical, yeah. it's cool, man. I'm cool with anything you talk about because I think anything everyone's saying on the show is just valuable information to give. Yeah. So for sure, don't worry. Yeah. Don't, you have so to apologize about being technical. Like, Wait, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you you can plead that. Like I said, you can plead the fifth. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, but what? But uh, going back to that horror film, what experience did you learn though from that? From making it, like, what did you learn not to do? What did you learn to do in your next film that you worked on? Um, I think uh, putting everything in front of the camera, like mm-hmm. like putting money into things that you know are going to be on screen, is yeah. is like the best thing you can do. So that's what that's what I really learned from working on that film was, yeah. you know, we have all these top notch makeup people and we had a great cast yeah. and, um, cool, cool locations, you know, and, uh, everybody was really dedicated. So even though we didn't shoot on the Alexa or the red or something, um, and have like a big crew of, uh, grips and electrics and stuff like that. Mm. Um, the, the idea was, well, you, that's not really on the screen. You're not really, you know, necessarily gonna, the audience isn't necessarily going to see all that all that work and the flags that people are setting up and silks and this and that. Um, but they will see the makeup and they will see the actors and the locations and all that will be in every single shot. Yeah. So, um, so I think just, uh, taking that philosophy, um, you know, I, I try to apply that to, to my film, which I ended up shooting two years later. Um, and, uh, so yeah, that was, that was a big one. I, I'd say one of the, the things that, uh, I learned maybe on the negative side, even though it's no one's fault, it's really just, you know, try to have as many days to shoot your film as you can. Yeah. Because, you know, when we were shooting out in the salt and sea and, and the desert, you know, we only had a certain amount of days. There were mm-hmm. some themes where we needed more time, you know, um, because of, you know, makeup takes a while or just getting the cast and crew to a certain location in the desert that you couldn't drive, you know, so yeah. we'd have to hike, you know, into these canyons. And it just takes a lot of time. And by the time you're set up, ready to shoot, it's like, Oh shit, we only have an hour, yeah, two hours. So oh. you're really kind of rushing. So I would just say like having the more days and time you have to shoot the movie, the better it's yeah. going to be. So how I many, think how many like, you shoot um, that? I think the total shoot days for that movie, we, we shot in like two or three chunks of okay. maybe eight or nine days. So I, I want to say it was like maybe 22. Okay. Uh, maybe, maybe 20, somewhere, somewhere around there, low twenties. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we were in the desert, I think for nine, nine days and two pickup days. So, yeah. so 11 days total. Yeah. That really isn't a lot of time. <laughs> it's not, it's yeah. not, it was, it was tough. There were certain days where it, it was, plenty of time and mm. i you know i think i think we didn't feel rushed and there are other days where i know that we were all just like oh shit there's only an hour the sun's yeah. gonna go down so uh you know and it happens on every movie yeah definitely no matter what but yeah, i think that was like you know just just uh something that i you know had in my mind was mm. okay if you can get more days try to get more days you know put the money towards more days yeah instead of uh more grips or more 
lenses or whatever. I don't know. So, so after yeah. that movie, what did you end up doing? Um, so I think I was, I was already writing the script for, for my film, mm. uh, disrupted. Yeah. And, uh, uh, I had written a few drafts, I think probably right after we wrapped most of principal photography for wild boar. Yeah. And, um, a friend of mine who's a director producer, um, he had just kind of partnered up with, uh, he, he had moved up to Lake Tahoe and partnered up with a couple of guys that were starting a production company and, um, they were looking for for low budget scripts to possibly produce. And, um, I was like, well, you know, I'm only on my third draft, but if you want to check it out and they ended up liking it and, um, wanting to do it, uh, low budget, of course. So I ended up, um, kind of, uh, partnering up with them. And then we, we wrote several more drafts and, and, uh, got into pre-production and ended up shooting it probably about a year later after I started, um, working with them. What made so, you came up with the idea? So it took, took a little while. The idea for the script? Yeah, yeah. Um, it was kind of a combination. I I wanted to do a feature that my previous feature where the financing fell through, I think it needed to be you know, it wasn't super high budget, but it, it needed at least a few hundred thousand to, to really be made. And yeah. um and so I was like, you know, I don't want to try to just only do a movie that has to cost that much. So so maybe I can write something that can be a little less. So mm-hmm. I wanted to write about gentrification in San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, because so many people were kind of getting kicked out of their apartments and then, you know, their apartment gets sold and then remodeled. And, yeah. And then it's like, you know, prices are like five times higher. And I used to live in San Francisco for yeah. years. So I kind of was familiar with it. So, so I wanted to, to write a script about that, but I wanted it to still have like more of like a thriller uh, style plot. So yeah. it wouldn't just be, just about gentrification so so i ended up um kind of making it about uh a, the bad guys a psychopathic venture capitalist um whose credit card ends up getting stolen and um he kind of goes on a rampage trying to find instead of canceling his card he goes on a rampage to uh track down the people who are using it and then um so it's kind of a dual character story and then the good guy is um uh a guy who uh, is uh, kind of being gentrified out of San Francisco. Mm. He's um was uh in prison for a few years for trying to find um uh the killer of his uh wife from thirty years earlier. So okay. um so he ends up uh you know finding the wrong guy and um, beats him up bad, goes to prison for it, and yeah. then tries to get his life back together. And uh, with his daughter, and so anyway, this is kind of a long synopsis. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> anyway, it, you know what? Uh, <laughs> it makes more sense to me now because I read the I read what you had on on the uh, Vimeo, and I was like, oh, this is, I'm like, uh-huh. and I'm like, oh, now you're telling me more. I'm like, oh shit, okay, okay. He's a that guy's yeah, a venture yeah. capitalist. All right, now I get it. I get it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is he all right? So I have to ask. It, Spoilers, guys. I, I don't know if Andrew's gonna tell me, but is the guy who's the venture yeah. capitalist? Yeah. They they kill the they kill the guy's wife. Yeah, it's not really a spoiler. It's kind of okay. in the beginning, so you you kind of find out like you know there's there's he has these flashbacks and okay. whatnot. But um, I'm just making sure. Yeah, his wife. <laughs> yeah, it kind of you know it's not like totally spelled out, but you kind of piece it together. Oh, uh, okay. But it's um, but it's uh, uh, it it was it was tricky for me to cut the trailer for it because the movie really is about more things than just like revenge. You know, that's yeah. just kind of like the 
you know, gentrification is the backdrop and then the revenge mm-hmm. is kind of the main, the main, you know, uh, driving force of the story, yeah. but, but really it has like a lot of characters, a lot of stuff going on. So I, I really had a tough time cutting the trailer yeah. because it's just, it's just, how do you sum that up in two minutes, uh, you know, without giving too many things away. And then there's, there's so many different storylines. So, so yeah, we kind of stuck with like, you know, the revenge storyline, uh, but, um, uh, for, you know, at, at least, the trailer and stuff. Um, but so the trailer makes it look a little darker than it really is. It actually has some, some comedy in it. Um, okay. you know, it's, 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 uh, it's a little bit pulpy, you know, it's got, got pulpy elements to it yeah. that are, you know, slightly over the top. Like it's not, it's not like a super serious movie. Um, but it's, but it's still pretty dark. You know, it has, yeah. it has, uh, it's got violence, it's rated R, all that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so it it uh, it was just a, a movie that you know we knew it was ambitious to shoot it on a low budget, but um, but we felt like you know um, just getting getting the cast um, you know to be available and, and getting most of the locations for for either cheap or free. Um, mm-hmm. Just having grown up in the Bay Area, uh, it's just easier for me to get locations up there. So we ended up shooting most of it up there, but some in LA, some interior scenes. Um, because mm-hmm. it's you know, instead of flying the actors up there, yeah. Um, so yeah, it was uh, and shot it uh, off and on for about a year. Okay, probably ninety five percent of it. Um, it took a while for us to actually cast the bad guy. Um, so we shot like you know the first fifty percent of the movie mm-hmm. without him, and then we oh, wow. we took a few months to find find the right actor to play the bad guy. And then we shot all his stuff, oh, and then my daughter was born. Uh-huh. literally the night that we were shooting like one, one of the most you know uh violent scenes in, in the movie and oh, i get a call at oh, like 12 30 in the morning my wife's like my water broke i'm like uh okay, i gotta go <laughs> so i hope you didn't have any like fake so, blood uh, on you at that time and going to the hospital and <laughs> thankfully not it was okay. it was still like i think we were only on like the fifth setup of the night it was okay. a night shoot yeah so it all kind of worked out i guess but oh. uh, there was no traffic <laughs> So I oh, that's get, good. <laughs> get from Burbank down to down to uh, West LA quicker. That's a, but, that's a plus. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was good. If it happened at like 4 p.m., I would have been screwed. I don't even know if my wife would have made it to the hospital. So. So honey, we're gonna have a car burn. LA traffic is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would have been a nightmare. I probably would have had a nerve breakdown. So. Oh my gosh, I'm, so, um, I'm glad it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. It ended up working out. Uh, Could have been worse. So <laughs> that's true. But, uh, but yeah, so it was it was, it was a long long uh yeah. journey just shooting the film and then post took a while we shot it on the red so okay you know it was it was cool that to have the flexibility of the red mm-hmm. that was partially why we chose it but at the same time the workflow is not necessarily the easiest and mm-hmm. um so that was kind of a challenge just yeah. dealing with all the bugs and quirks of adobe premiere uh, with don't we just love the, with adobe? the red on a yeah, it's, yeah, it was brutal. There yeah. was a lot of really bad bugs that wasted a lot of time. Have so you, we were, we were all pretty, have you thought about using another editing program after that happened? Like, were you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, are you, yeah, I've thought. I, I still haven't jumped yet. I yeah. might I might shift over to Avid or to uh, DaVinci. Okay. Uh, after, after what happened, I mean, I think Premiere is great for like five minute videos and mm-hmm. stuff that's short. Yeah. Totally fine, but yeah, you start getting into these, you know, you got 17 terabytes of footage and yeah. it's really long and, you know, you're working with different people on different um, computers and you're trying to, you know, um, go from Mac to PC and it just, 
Mm-hmm. It just, it, it was a nightmare. So yeah. there's a lot of just, just workflow issues that cost time. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's weird. Other than that, it was weird. <laughs> I mean, as much as I, as much as I want to rag on it, it's like, I was going to go to Avid, but because I paid like the Black Friday price for $30 a month for the whole creative suite, I'm like, now I'm stuck with it for another year. And I'm like, I, oh yeah, well, I, at least you got thirty dollars a month. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's true. I, <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, but again, I don't use like half of those programs, so like, I'm like, well, why? Do I, I get know this? that's how they get you. Yeah, it's like, yeah. well, I kind of need this, yeah. but I don't. I'm like, when am I going to use it? And and yeah, like, I mean, I need an yeah. audition. Like, that's really what I needed audition for for the uh-huh. some, some of the sound when I do this. Um, when I do this thing called a podcast <laughs> when I edit, edit the shit. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's why I kind of got yeah. that in After Effects, trying to do some like really cool things with uh, snippets for the podcast too. Graphic. Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, for me, I only use Premiere and After Effects, yeah. maybe Media Encoder a little bit. Oh yeah, he's Media um, Encoder too. Yeah, but it's not worth the whatever it is fifty three dollars a month. Or no. I don't even know what it is now. I, I think they should get so rid of the subscription yeah, it based. Pisses me off, but yeah. They should go back to like buying. I, well, I, I'd rather buy it for a thousand dollars or whatever, and then like just upgrade for a hundred bucks yeah. a year. Yeah, but they know that, and that's yeah. why they don't do. That's that, why they only do subscriptions because they're like, "That's true too." Yeah, we're gonna make way more money off of people who do subscriptions because yeah. you're just you're just locked into it. So, uh, yeah, Shit. so <laughs> DaVinci's getting better, so I, I I might try it again, but uh. Uh, but it's still you know Adobe Premiere is way more user friendly. Yeah, you know I it, it, at least for cutting, you know, not, yeah. maybe not for color, but I mean. Um, yeah, DaVinci for me, I don't know how I feel about the timeline on that thing. It reminds me, I like Final Cut 10, but like the, I don't know, there's something about DaVinci that I'm like, I don't trust it still. And like, I don't like the way mm-hmm. it's like the, the, the layout for me, how, how you like look at the timeline and all that stuff for editing. It just feels weird. And like, I tried to like, yeah. you know, really try to play with it a little bit, not like anything really in depth, but it's yeah. just, it just feels weird to me to try editing in that system. In that system, yeah. yeah, 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 me too. I haven't really like spent more than just a few hours yeah. with it yet in terms of editing. I've mean, I've used it for color, and I yeah. love it for that. Oh, yeah, it's but, great for color. But yeah, I, it's, yeah. It's just, I mean, the collaboration tool is cool in DaVinci that I've seen, but also you can do that in Premiere if you set it up correctly. With even with without right. a team project, you can do a shared project, and you can and there's a workaround, and it works perfectly. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's my feelings. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, they're all they're all getting better in terms mm-hmm. of features and usability, but I, I would just say it seems like Premiere with all their updates is just gets buggier and buggier. And yeah, it's, it's like, so wow, weird. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah. I'm, <sighs> yeah, it's really it gets frustrating. I've had a lot of days where calling calling up Adobe and talking to them on the phone, and yeah. I'm just like trying to hold back you know, cussing them out, but <laughs> <laughs> listen, yeah, you know, you should do that. You know, just do it. Cause you know why? Cause maybe they'll listen. Finally, if someone's like starts cursing them out, cause then it's like, Oh, okay. These guys are serious. We're, we're going to lose customers. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I wonder, or they're, they're, they're looking at their numbers going, no, we're still, we're still making a lot of money. So. Yeah. That's true too. Um, they just don't care. Yeah. I don't know, but I, we'll see. I'm still, still paying for it. So yeah. they still got me. Gotcha. <laughs> Um, so. <laughs> but, uh, about disrupted, um, did you only make one trailer? Cause like, you know, you're telling me about like how it was hard for you to cut it. I feel like you could have made two different trailers, like one with about the guy or something like, yeah. and then one about the other dude who's like trying to find his wife's killer. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, 
we, we cut a few different versions. Mm-hmm. I had one that was kind of more of just like a teaser that was just real simple that, yeah. that we had as like a temporary trailer for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, and I, I enjoy cutting trailers. It's yeah. probably my favorite form of editing. Um, I just had a really tough time with the trailer and I think it's just because it's a dual character movie. Yeah. And I purposely, when I wrote the script, I didn't want to have a ton of exposition to explain everything. I wanted yeah. it to be kind of more visual, but you know, so when you watch the movie, it makes sense, but in the trailer, it's a little bit murkier because there's not a lot of sound bites that you can pull from to, yeah, to explain certain things. So, so we kind of just decided, we were like, you know what, let's just keep it slightly ambiguous to just show, you know, yeah. uh, the general tone of it. Um, so I, you know, so I did my best. I still, I, I, I still would be perfectly happy, you know, finding like, a different trailer editor that could just approach it, as, mm-hmm. you know, in a different way than, than I did. But yeah. Um, but I think, you know, for the time being, it's fine. What do you like about so. cutting trailers? Like what's it that like excites you? Um, I think it's just, it's just, they're cool because you can really, there's no rules. Mm-hmm. You can just kind of use whatever sound effects you want, whatever, yeah. you know, uh, hits and risers and different, you know, kinds of music yeah. transitions and, can really just kind of it's like a highlight reel that you can really stylize it so it's not just a montage um, true so yeah I, I i feel like it's probably the hardest form of editing mm-hmm. at least for me um so maybe that's also why i enjoyed it. it's just a little more challenging yeah. um because there's so many different combinations of of uh shots and scenes and sound bites and mm-hmm. music that you can put together you know where, whereas when you're just editing the film you're you're kind of more just focused on the yeah. the way it was you know, written. Um, so, so I think I like that aspect to it, but I don't know if I could do it, you know, full time or something. Yeah. Um, that, that would be, <laughs> I'd probably be exhausted from, from doing that all the time. Cause it's, I mean, you, it, you really strain your brain just trying to, um, figure out, you know, it's like a puzzle, like figuring yeah. out which, uh, which sound bites are going to work where, and you know, you make it a minute 50 it, or two twenty or whatever. And it's a puzzle so. that doesn't like, have an, a correct answer is a puzzle that can be yeah. made any any way you want it but it's a puzzle still yeah that's why they're so hard yeah they really are yeah. That's, that's why I have, I have tons of respect for professional trailer editors i feel like they're they're like editing god you know they're yeah. they're on a whole nother level <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's true so, <laughs> so, yeah yeah so, uh you edited the film too then uh you were, you were kind of mentioned that sounded like yeah, so I did the first uh, three cuts, and oh, then yeah. I uh, sorry, my dog's barking. Um, I did the first three cuts, and then I um, uh, handed it off to another editor mm-hmm. who is, you know, his skill set is more. Yeah, he's just really good at kind of narrowing down. Like, okay, trim the fat. Yeah, let's see exactly what we need and what we don't need, and he's good at kind of story solves. You know, it's like ah, it doesn't quite make sense showing this. Yeah. How can we? fix this is there like a pickup shot we can do and you know so he'd come up with all these ideas to to help uh tie certain scenes together that maybe weren't totally working or or were too long or whatever so so he was great so he he worked on the movie for a few months Hmm. and then uh did a couple cuts and then um and then uh i ended up taking that and then we did like the final final couple cuts Hmm. uh uh, doing the pickup shots that that he you know kind of um asked us to get and then that was it, but now, yeah, it was a it was a long process. How long did that take? <laughs> I mean, altogether, I think I spent uh, four months 
editing it and then he had it for maybe also four months, three, okay. four months. Um, but then in between, you know, on the handoff trying to get him to edit, mm-hmm. that's when I dealt with all the technical nightmares with like proxies and merge clips and all this stuff. Um, oh. So that slowed things down a little bit, just getting him the drive and yeah. having it all relinked and be correct and all that. So, um, uh, but yeah, once, once he kind of, you know, worked on it, um, it, it became a lot, a lot quicker yeah. and easier. And then, um, yeah. And then I, I think I, uh, then I took a break, cut the trailer. Mm-hmm. We did a Kickstarter page to, uh, raise money for post and then, um, uh, for, you know, color and yeah. color and sound and, and music. And then, uh, and then, yeah, just did the, the last, uh, we handed off the DCP last week. Yeah. So it was like the final step. So yeah. did, it takes forever. So a lot of stuff. Yeah. yeah, it does. <laughs> did you, um, did you, uh, for the, for the first edit now, the past, the first three passes, would you say those are the director's cuts? Yeah. I mean, you know, like my assembly edit was really long. Like it was over two hours and, you know, we knew we, we didn't want it to be like any more than, you know, a hundred minutes at the max yeah. really. How many so pages script, did you write? The script was like, yeah, it was like 88, I think. So it wasn't okay. like super short, but it wasn't, it wasn't a long script. So yeah. we, we wanted to keep it below a hundred minutes. The, the movie has like a fair amount of like, you know, action scenes that don't have a ton of dialogue. So I mm-hmm. feel like those kinds of movies end up being longer because it's just, it's, it's got more screen time versus like, if you got a movie with tons of dialogue, you just jet through it yeah. and it ends up being shorter. Yeah, um, so yeah, so there was, we knew it was going to be longer than 88 minutes, but, um, but yeah, but the, the other editor, he got it down to 87. So I got to hand it to him. Like he, he chopped out like, Oh wow. Yeah. I think seven, 17, 18 minutes off my cut. And then I was like, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so. I, I mean, I'm always a fan of like having the longer cut and then cutting from there instead of like having a short, too short of a cut and then going like, Oh shit, we're yeah. missing things that we need to like either reshoot yeah. or just like, you know, what, you know, sacrifice some storylines and shit. Right. Right. I mean, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of times, you know, there's scenes where, yeah, if you cut it too short, then it's like, well, why even have the scene at all? Yeah. I and mean, if we're just going to chop it down that far, then you might as well just take it out altogether. Exactly. Um, Cause you, you still got to have like a point or like a purpose to, to the scene. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, we, we kind of, you know, there were definitely a lot of scenes that we cut out of the movie. And, mm-hmm. um, they were, you know, weren't that there were, wasn't that they were, uh, bad scenes, but, yeah. um, you know, they just like, eh, do we totally need this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. probably not. It, it didn't really drive so, the story um, further than what you thought. It was like more like, hey, we don't need, we, yeah, like that regard. Like, eh, yeah, we're yeah. It, it's more like it goes off on a tangent a little bit. You're okay. like, even though the scenes are cool and visually, you know, of course, like me being a DP also mm-hmm. like, like, oh, it took so long to shoot that. Oh, yes. but, <laughs> <laughs> but you gotta, you gotta say goodbye. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, it's just, you don't need it. You got to cut it out. Even though you love the tracking shot or car shot or drone or whatever it was. Uh, Every like yeah, awesome movement shot that you had, you're like, well, we got to chop this up. Yeah. We got yeah. to do jump cuts. What? What? No, <laughs> stop. Yeah. Yeah. It takes you like 13 takes to nail it. And you end up not even using it. So. Yeah. <laughs> at least, yeah at there, least was, there was some of that. <laughs> at least you were the director of the DP and did the editing too. Instead of being like some other guy come in and he goes, Hey, where did that shot go? That we, you know, took us like 20 yeah. takes. Oh yeah. We cut that. That's true. <laughs> like, oh. Yeah. 
That's true. That's true. <laughs> so that's a, yeah, that's and I, I remember the other editor when he took over. He's like, "Yeah, man, I'm going to be killing your babies, so I'm yeah. just going to warn you. Like, <laughs> I'm I'm, I'm going to be a mercenary." And I was like, "Yeah, dude, do your thing. Like, I'll <laughs> I'll handle it. It'll be hard, but I'll handle it." So, um, so yeah, he 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 totally did an amazing job. So, yeah, um, yeah I was really thankful that that we were able to hire him. So, <laughs> and then, I don't think I could have chopped it down that far because <laughs> you don't want to kill your babies. That's that's yeah, it's yeah. hard. It's hard. It really is. Yeah. It really, it really is. Because again, sacrifice. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So after you did this, did you then you sent it to? I'm guessing film festivals. Yeah, you know, we started submitting to film festivals. Mm-hmm. I think in the late summer, midsummer, I don't know, somewhere around there. Um, so we were submitting the rough cut. It still wasn't finalized yet, and then of course it didn't have the uh, yeah. The sound mix and like, you know, that makes such a huge difference. Um, so, you know, I kind of knew like it's probably going to have a tougher time getting into to festivals, you know, um, yeah. being that it's a rough cut, but it's still worth, worth submitting. So we, uh, so we submitted, we got into a few, um, unfortunately a few of those that we did get into, um, we still couldn't finish the movie in time. <laughs> so oh, wow. there, we had to tell the fast festival, we're like, sorry, we can't we can't screen it cause it's not done. Um, cause it just, it just takes a while to get, you know, yeah. everybody's schedules to line up and, you know, the sound mix takes a while and the uh, composer, you know, our composer, he's really good, but he's, he's also very busy. He works on a lot of stuff. So, so we, we wanted to make sure that we got all these guys locked down, um, to, to be able to do it. And to me, that was more important than trying to rush to get it mm. done for like a screening at a festival. So, yeah. so I'm glad we did it. Ended up really, working out in the long run they all did a great job um so we ended up um getting into cinequest yep. and decided to uh premiere premiere it there so we, we've yeah. had a few screenings uh for like the cast and crew and, mm-hmm. and um one one kind of random uh, not random but we had a screening in tahoe okay and a lot of people came to the screening that we didn't know so it was kind of cool seeing oh, nice. it with an audience that didn't know me you know they didn't need to give me like a courtesy laugh yeah. <laughs> or anything so that's so that always cool, the best. Uh, watching it with them. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, I mean, I was nervous because yeah. you're like, you know, when it's a bunch of people you don't know, they don't owe you anything. They don't mm-hmm. care. They don't even know who you are. <laughs> but you, so, get, um, you get the honesty though from them instead of like the, fa- I mean, as much as you love your family and friends, they're going to be like, it was great. Great job. Wonderful. Yeah. Oh, you I know. loved it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I tell other people all the time, I'm like, yeah, man, I'd rather like just go on Craigslist and tell people that, Hey, I'm I'm running a movie. I'll get paid you twenty bucks to give it an honest review to watch it. Tell me what you think. I'd rather have that than like show my friends and family. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's good. To, it's good to have uh, honest feedback. You know, you know, still constructive, but but honest. Um, so yeah, it was cool. I mean, you know, we had screened it for like a few. Uh, I don't want to say random people, but like kind of consultant kind of people, and they had notes. Um, that they then gave to me or the other editor. So, like, you know, we had somewhat of a gauge of what was working and what yeah. wasn't. Um, but, but it's nice to see it with the audience. And, you know, it's like there's certain jokes that don't land as well as, mm-hmm. you know, you'd hope. But, yeah. but, you know, they're still mainly laughing in the spots where they're supposed to laugh. It's like, okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> so, kind of a relief in that way. Yeah. Uh, but, um, but yeah, but Cinequest will be the first, you know, public uh, yeah. screening where, you know, anybody can buy a ticket or whatever and just, 
check it out. So how excited are you for Silly yeah. Quest? I know this by the way, this podcast is gonna come out like later in the year. So I usually like just I've been stacking yeah. my podcast just to give you a heads up. I don't know if I told you, but like uh, so yeah. Cinequest yeah, will yeah, happen by, by guys by the time you listen to this podcast Cinequest has passed and the movie was a <laughs> success and it was awesome hopefully yeah. or, or you might read a bad review I'm gonna like, say fingers crossed terrible. I'm gonna say fingers <laughs> crossed I, I yeah, usually have to gauge stuff. with movies and I, I mean from the trailer <laughs> yeah. I saw I was really like oh my god I need to talk to this guy because like I, yeah. I, I mean just to give people the preface like about an hour into the hour and a half into the podcast now how how i got a hold of of you is through um this woman uh what was her name Vic, victoria maxfield i don't know if you know her. I, don't, uh-huh. I don't know who she is i don't even know her yeah, yeah it's possible that she's uh, a friend of one of the cast i would guess i, uh, I'm not, same, I haven't met her i don't at know the who same she time is. i never like First of all, I never like applied or you know signed up for anything from Cinequest at all, ever. So oh, really? Like, so, yeah. Yeah. So that's I, and the funny thing is too, my friend, uh, these not friends are more acquaintances, but I, I guess I would call them friends now. Uh, Hassani Johnson and Alberto, uh, I can't say it, I forgot his last name. Oh my god, I'm blanking out. But uh, they they have a movie in Cinequest the world premiere as well. So I thought he like talked to oh, Victoria. Cool. Um, their movie Takeout uh-huh. Girl. Uh, I thought they talked to Victoria, and like you know, like, Victoria just ended up sending it to me. I'm like, oh, that's weird. And then he's like, no, man, my girlfriend uh-huh. got the same email, but I didn't get it. So I was like, oh, oh okay then. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. So it was just a weird yeah. like coincidence <laughs> of how like it's all came weird to be. And I, I, I watched. Yeah. I, like, I need to get this guy on the cast. I need to talk to him. So that's how this yeah, came cool. to be. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I I saw your email and I was like, oh, cool. Yeah. Because I've I've done a podcast. You know, I think when I uh, released Red Sleep a mm. web series, it was probably like, yeah, maybe four years ago. Mm. It was a while back. So um, I'm definitely not not a podcast veteran. Yeah. By any, oh, you, by sa- any you, means, sa- so. yeah, you sound like one man. It's been a, it's been an awesome time talking to you. So I'm not gonna. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah you too. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's good. It's, uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah. Uh, no, no, no problem. Thanks, uh, thanks for like actually answering me and like wanting to be on. So it's all, it, it works out. It works out. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For so, sure. um, yeah. any other plans for 2020 post, uh, city quest, by the way? Um, yeah, I, I'm hoping to jump on the next feature project. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm currently editing a feature that I DP'd over okay. the summer called dead body. It's a comedy, totally different. <laughs> totally different uh, vibe to it yeah. so it's actually a much more fun edit um nothing against my own film but yeah you know it's it's less ambitious in terms of the amount of footage now. gotcha so so it's um it's it's a lot more more light and loose mm-hmm. to edit so uh working on that right now and then um uh, uh working on another script uh actually the script i was telling you about where the financing fell through i'm mm-hmm. kind of reworking that script right now yeah. as uh as just to have it as an option as, as something to um, possibly shoot later this year. Nice. Um, and uh, uh, me and the production company I worked with on Disrupted, um, we've talked about, you know, working together again on another film. So we're, we're you know, just kind of checking out, mm-hmm. see what's, seeing what's available, different different scripts they've yeah. optioned. And, and um, yeah, so we'll see what happens. Nothing nothing definitive mm-hmm. at this point, but yeah. hopefully uh, maybe by the time this podcast comes out, I'll, I'll know what I'm doing a little better. <laughs> <laughs> hey, finger, um, fingers crossed, yeah, man. So. Fingers crossed for you that everything yeah. works out. And then also for Disrupted, is that going to be on Amazon Prime or anything of that nature? Do you guys know what you guys are going to be doing with it post uh, festival circuit? Um, no, no 
plan as of yet okay. in terms of exactly when, but I think that ultimately the plan is to get it on one of those platforms. Gotcha. Uh, you know, Amazon, Hulu, uh, Netflix, one of those three, or I don't know how many it can be on at the same time, but, um, but yeah, I think that was the, the ultimate goal was, you know, VOD. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I would assume that wouldn't be till later this year, mm-hmm. um, based on the way these things work, but, yeah. um, hopefully, hopefully sooner the better, yeah. but, um, uh, and, uh, and possibly another festival or, or two, mm-hmm. um, we didn't submit to like, you know, hundreds or anything. Yeah. So we were just kind of hoping, you know, just play it a few. It's not really like a, a film festival, darling kind of film, you know, yeah. it's about a venture, a venture capitalist with brass knuckles. So we, we weren't expecting to like, you know, get into like Sundance or something yeah. like that. So, um, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll take it, whatever festival wants us. Awesome, um, man. and uh yeah so uh, that's, we'll see nice man and um just to i mean this is the second half of the pod when we get to the second half of the podcast because i think we're past the journey part of you right now but the second half of the podcast let me just yeah. ask you this real quick it's typically about like the strengths yeah. and weaknesses of your uh filmmaking community and what you see through your eyes and then we talk about what what can we do to improve the community but i mean you're in la you're in california i think there's nothing to do to really improve it unless you you have any ideas to improve LA, but I, I personally don't see that at all. I mean, LA is like, <laughs> LA is like the Mecca, New York and LA are Meccas. You can't really improve them unless some, I, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's tough. I think LA, because it's so big, yeah. like it's great because you got the talent pool is amazing. You got are we talking about so the strengths great, right now? Um, are, we talking, are, we talking, are we on the strengths or the weaknesses here? Is it? <laughs> well, the, the, yeah, the strength is like, you know, for sure, yeah. like you have so many people that are really good at what they do. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you want a cinematographer, take your pick. There's yeah. probably thousands that are really good here. You know, uh, same thing with acting and editing, directing, visual effects, whatever mm-hmm. it is you need, you got it. Um, but at the same time, I think uh, it's also because there's so many people in LA, it's so, it's so huge. Mm-hmm. Um, it's tough to actually like always maintain relationships and, uh, yeah. you know, groups and communities with pe- with people in LA because it's just so big. There's yeah. just so many people and you kind of get lost in the shuffle a little bit. Whereas like, you know, the Bay Area where I'm from, mm. it's got probably one of the bigger film communities in the oh, country, okay. but it's nothing compared to LA. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's 10% of LA, if that, yeah. you know, and, and the Bay Area is a big place, you know, but it's just, so it's, it's easier to kind of know a lot of people in the film community in the Bay Area and just mm. feel like, oh yeah, I know that guy. I worked with that guy on this job, and mm. this guy's over here. Whereas LA, I mean, there's just it's impossible. There's yeah. there's too many people. You, there's no way you could meet everybody. So um, so I would say that's that's probably the downside of LA is it's yeah. easy to get lost in the shuffle if you don't really reach out and, and uh, try to maintain you know relationships with people you work with. Yeah, it's easy to just kind of you know fall off. So, yeah, yeah, I get yeah. you. It's like, I think it's all about the hustle too in LA. Yeah. Like I mean, the hustle game is like ten times strong in LA than probably anywhere else besides New York and the nation. Yeah, it's competitive. It's yeah. competitive. Yeah, if you're not competitive, it's it's a tough place to be. And rent's really high here. Yep. So uh, you got to really, really hustle in terms of just paying rent. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and then a lot of a lot of film jobs actually. They do pay well here, but a lot mm-hmm. of them don't pay as well as other places because there's there's so many people to to choose from that yeah. you know the rates become more competitive. You is know, it like a cannibalization to, of like the r- rates because of that? Is it is it 
yeah, is it a cannibal cannibalization of that? Yeah, because I think there's like, you know, if you're a young guy, you just came out mm. of college and you're 23 and you, you, you know, maybe you bought a camera mm. and you're just trying to get experience and meet people like, you know, it's like, hey, I'll do, I'll do it for this rate, you yeah. know, super cheap. And then, so some companies, they might look at the real, and if it's good enough, go, yes, mm. man, this is like half the price of this other guy over here. So, yeah. so that, that I think can kind of mess things up a little bit at the same time there's plenty of clients that they understand that you know they they rather have somebody that they can count on that they've worked with mm-hmm. before and than just seeing their real yeah um so it, it depends on what kind of work it is but gotcha but uh but yeah but i i would say like the biggest indicator to me for la is like you know the website share grid mm-hmm. i don't know if you use that but it, you know you can it's rent not, gear it's, it's like, not in vegas actually i don't think i i think oh I it's try, not in vegas it's, yet. Okay. yeah i don't i think i looked for something in there uh once or twice and there's like nothing in vegas there's nothing there okay yeah, yeah you guys will probably have it eventually but it's if you go on ShareGrid, because mm-hmm. I've used it in the Bay Area and LA, there's so many people that own RED cameras and mm-hmm. Alexa cameras and these cameras that like cost hundreds, if not thousands per day to rent. Yeah. But on ShareGrid, somebody might be like, hey, I'll rent my RED out to you for 125 bucks a day. And you're like, what? Not too shabby. Really? And they're like, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you couldn't find that price in San Francisco or probably anywhere except LA because yeah. there's just so many people own red cameras and they just want to rent it out mm-hmm. that you can find that. So I think it's, it's labor isn't exactly like renting out gear, but it's kind of like that. There's just so many yeah. people that know how to edit, know how to shoot that it's just more competitive, you know, and, and mm-hmm. people might drop their rates, you know, just to yeah. try to get a job. So, yeah, I get, I yeah. get that. I get that. Uh, anything else strength weakness wise that you want, let, let, let the viewer know about? Uh, that's probably the main thing that comes okay. to mind. I mean, um, I think LA gets a bad rap, you know, that people are, are fake or whatever. Yeah. Or, you know, it gets a lot of these stereotypes about LA, but I would say that what's cool about LA is like everybody kind of came here for a reason. And usually it's, it's to, you know, be creative and work on, um, work on projects and, 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 uh, you know, um, be a part of, of the creative community in general. Like, I think everybody, even though it's it's competitive, I think everybody still, you know, um, has the same goal at the end of the day. Yeah, definitely. I I hope so. I hope they have the same goal. If they don't, that's a, that's a big problem. I feel like. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, not to say there's, there's, there are some sharks for sure, but (laughs) I think Uh, most people that are like, you know, the the filmmaking community, Mm. they're, they're good people. So, yeah. Yeah. So I have three more questions for you. First question. Mm -hmm. Now growing up in San Fran, did you see the full house house? How close were you to that house? (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah. So I, yeah, I was, I would just, it was just a short BART ride. I mean, I would, uh, so o- Oakland, it's like, you know, a 15 yeah. minute BART ride in your downtown San Francisco. Yeah. That, that full house house is in the hate district. Okay. It's, it's actually a super famous street. Uh, oh, I think really? they're called the painted ladies. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of tourists there like all the time, but yeah, yeah I think the first time I saw it, I was maybe like in third or fourth grade, uh-huh. you know, we were on a field trip at a museum. <laughs> I remember my teacher being like, that's a full house house. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> but <laughs> I was, I was on the, uh, uh, 
I was Warner Brothers tour. I went on the Warner Brothers tour with my girlfriend, and we saw the Full House house on 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 their set lot. And I was like, set, yeah. yeah, I was like, this yeah. is cool to see the Full House house, but I want to see it in person because I've never been to San Fran, so I I like to go. One oh, really? Day. You've never yeah. been there? Right? No, I've never been there. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. I've been I've been here in Vegas for seven years. I'm originally from Jersey, so I've never been to like oh, okay. San Fran yet. I haven't been north. <laughs> so, oh wow! Yeah. yeah. So it's totally different. It's a totally different vibe. I know. Vegas, I've sure. heard. I've heard great things about San Fran, and especially I think is it Fisherman's Dwarf or or Wharf. Fisher, Fisherman's Wharf. Yeah. yeah, that's that's pure pure tourist attraction. Uh, yeah, that's sorry, like, I'd be a yeah, tourist I would, when I go. I would, yeah, you know, it's one of those. I guess it is kind of just you have to go there as a tourist, but mm-hmm. like literally nobody goes there if you live in San Francisco. I mean, it's all 100% tourists. There's no one there that's yeah. a local that goes there. Well, but uh, but they, there are some cool restaurants. You yeah, know? yeah. Well, um, I, I'm gonna bug the you then. I'm gonna I'm gonna text you if I ever go to San Francisco. I'm gonna text you and be like, "Hey, where should I go?" <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you. For all right, sure. cool. For cool, sure. cool. I haven't lived there in a while. It's changed a lot. I mean, you know, the tech industry yeah. took over, and now it's a lot of stuff is different. But yeah, but it's still you know it still has the charm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, second to last question for you is what is the last piece of advice or nugget that you want to give to the viewer? Um, I think in terms of filmmaking, kind of like mm-hmm. my, you know, like I was saying earlier, my boss or the owner of the company told me is just, I think you just have to just always be making stuff. And of course you can't be afraid to, to put it out there and fail. Um, I think that's number one. And number two is make sure you actually finish it because there's a lot of people that try to make projects and then for whatever reason they get derailed, sidetracked, or they just don't like it or who knows that they don't, they don't quite finish it. Don't put it out. And then, um, that's way worse than completing a project. That yeah. Even if it isn't good, you never know who might like it. And people actually, um, appreciate, I think especially people in the industry really appreciate, the fact that you completed something because it's hard to yeah. complete something. I, I so, agree. I, I think I, those are the two. Yeah. I, I agree with that last statement. Cause like, I think that's a, I mean, that's a problem here in Vegas. I feel like, I mean, it's probably a problem everywhere in every community film community is that like, you know, people talk about their projects and like want it like, or like I'm making this project. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And then you like see one or two pictures from the project and then you never hear about it for like another two years. And you're like, whatever happened to that project? And then like, yeah, and then <laughs> yeah. they ha- or they have a trailer out and they, cause they finished making it and then they never do anything about it after the fact. So it's, it's just, yeah. it's yeah. just, it's, it's sad. And I mean, I'm, I'm to blame for that too. I mean, I've been on projects where that has happened, so I'm not like uh, an yeah, angel about me it. Too. So yeah. So I mean, that's, yeah. that's, yeah. it's a, it's a, yeah, that's just finish it. That's really, <laughs> and then, it, yeah, it really is. I, I think it just, it, cause you never know who's going to like it. I think yeah. that's the other like. Um, you know, somebody told me that one time, but it's like, you might, you might not be happy with it. It's not the way you intended. I mean, nobody's film is ever what you intended to make when in your head, you exactly. know, it never works out that way, but you never know. Like somebody yeah. might see it like, Oh wow. I love this one thing about it. Let's work together. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I would say that's, that, that's the two pieces of advice whenever I kind of, you know, get a little, yeah. a little down on whatever it is I'm working on. Like, Oh, it's taking too long. I'm so frustrated. Um, you know, I just try to remember those two things. Yeah, definitely, man. And then uh, last question for you is what is your social media? If you'd like to give that away. Uh, yeah, I'm not a huge social media guy, mm-hmm. but, um, uh, our, our disrupted movie is on Instagram and Facebook. It's okay. just Instagram slash disrupted movie. 
And then Facebook, same thing, uh, facebook.com uh, slash disrupted movie. Awesome. And, uh, and the website for the movie is disruptedmovie.com. And then you can find me on really, I'm, I'm more on like Vimeo and YouTube. It's mm-hmm. just, um, Vimeo.com slash Andre Welch, A N D R E W E L S H. A lot of times I get Welch's grape juice, but it's not Welch's grape juice, S H. Um, oh, I, I, uh, I, I feel like I pronounced your last name wrong then. I apologize. No, no, I think I think you got it right. Oh, I, I did? Okay, I'm just making sure. Yeah, yeah, you got it right. I'm also terrible at yeah, saying last right. names lot, at the show, so I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's just for me, like a lot of times people try to email me and they're yeah. like, yeah, you never got back to me. I'm like, yeah, it's that's probably because you put the CH instead of the F. Okay. <laughs> Which I've been getting since I was a kid. So, uh, so anyway, yeah. So, uh, youtube.com slash Andre Welsh and Vimeo. And that's, that's kind of it. I'm not really on like Twitter and all that. Okay. Um, just, yeah, I think I've tweeted like one thing in my life, <laughs> like eight years ago. Or something. It's one thing more than a lot of people, probably. It's one thing more than a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah, I'm not. It's never been, never been my thing. But, uh, but I get it. I get it. If I was a celebrity or something, I would probably use Twitter all the time. Well, I hope you use uh, Twitter more often post Cinequest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe I'll end up uh, switching, uh, <laughs> switching over to Twitter. <laughs> Who knows? Stranger things have happened. But, yeah, hey, you yeah. never, you never know. But hey, Andre, thank you yeah. so much for being on the podcast. By the way, man. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate uh, being on here and letting me uh, give my spiel about the film. Yeah, man. I, I, I loved listening to your story. I think it was, it was a great story. And again, I gotta thank you and I got to thank you guys again for listening. And remember to subscribe to the podcast. We're on Spotify, Overcast, TuneIn Radio. Oh my God, I like breathed in at the same time like while trying to speak. Th- didn't sound right. Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. <laughs> and I can't do this without the, my frame chasers. And I'm trying to bring the knowledge to all you listeners out there. And I hope you're getting some great, valuable information and learning something from it because we all have a story and we all go through things, go through things at the same time or at different times. I hope that people that are on the show are you know, inspiring you to keep chasing those frames. So again, Andre, thank you again. And guys, have a great day. Have a great week. Have a great month. Have a great year. Hopefully we'll catch you next Wednesday on Chasing the Frame. Peace.